Hello everyone, I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next episode of Here to Help. At Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. This is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us going all day. And outside of family and health, a job is one of the most important things in a person's life. And what that job means to people is, is very different for different people. We are here today at the Tribeca Film Festival in New York City to celebrate the launch of season two of Rising Voices, which is a platform for Indeed to tell these many stories of the meaning of work. Rising Voices primarily is a partnership between Indeed and Emmy award-winning actor, creator, writer, producer, Lena Waithe, and her production company, Helmut Grad, um, which you're gonna be hearing a lot more about today. And uh, just as a quick introduction of, of my guest today, uh, I'm just gonna turn to my notes so I make sure I don't miss anything. <laughs> Among her many credits, Lena starred and won an Emmy for outstanding writing for the Netflix series Master of None. She wrote and produced the critically acclaimed Queen and Slim and her follow-up Beauty, which just premiered here at Tribeca and launches on Netflix on June 29th. Uh, she is the creator of The Shy, which is one of the most streamed shows on, uh, uh, Show on Showtime and is launching its fifth season on June 24th. Lena is also the founder of Hellman Grad Productions. Um, I'm also joined by Rishi Rajani, who is uh, joined Hellman Grad in 2018, served as the president of film and television, and recently was promoted to CEO. Congratulations, Thank Rishi. You. Uh, among his many credits, Rishi uh, executive produced The Shy, 20s, Boomerang, as well as the Sundance Award-winning film, A 40-Year-Old Version, which is amazing. amazing. Um, Rishi and Lena, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks so much for having thank us. You having us. So let's start out by just explaining to folks who don't know what Rising Voices is all about. Rishi, you want to just oh, yeah. tell a little bit of the, the history and what we're doing? Yeah, of course. Um, so Rising Voices is pretty much like the mentorship program of our dreams, mm -hmm. I would say. It's, yeah. um, you know, when we get a lot of requests to to join mentorship programs, start mentorship programs, be a part of mentorship programs. And a couple of years ago, when the Indeed team reached out to us about you know doing a mentorship program and actually putting some real money behind it, that became a very exciting proposition for us. <laughs> um, because I think the biggest problem that we see in mentorship programs is they tend to be more shadowing opportunities, more like come, you know, be a part of this program for a couple months and you might get an internship out of it or something, but not really giving people the resources to be able to actually turn um, you know, their art into a job and a career. And so what Rising Voices is, is it's a fully funded um, program for aspiring directors where we select 10 directors from um, applicants all over the country to all be awarded $100,000 to make a short film. We then provide uh, mentorship in terms of actually pairing them with real directors who are doing real work, um, giving them full production support services, allowing them to make their film, paying them for that work, and then debuting it here at Tribeca, which we're going to be doing today. Yeah. So, Lena, I, you know, Rishi talked about how many people approach you. You know, I, I'd imagine you're hearing all the time from people who want to partner with you. Yeah. You also um, are one of the busiest people in the business as far as I can tell. Um, why did you take this call? What was it What was it about this program that made you say yes of all the other things out there? Well, I think well, I'm really blessed and, and to have Rishi 
be the first line of defense, really, because he does not suffer fools. And we both are people that really worked our way up in the business from, you know, being assistants. And obviously his path was more on the exec track. Mine was obviously writing. But we know the importance of mentorship. We know the importance of needing resources. We know the imp we know what it means to have a lack of funds and access. So when Rishi talked to me about this, and not only that, I love that you remixed it a bit. You said, look, this is what they came to me with first, and then this is what I proposed. And I said, oh, I like that, that proposition. I, I like the idea of helping more um, and, um, and getting more people in the door. And it's been really lucrative, I think, for, for all of us in terms of having opportunities to say, okay, this director would be great for this, or we should bring them in to direct an episode of The Shire. That person would be really good for this. So it's been really educational for us. And I think what I like about it is it feels like I can step in and be helpful and I don't, I'm not sort of out of that bandwidth. And I think I just feel really excited and inspired by it because I think Rishi set it up in a way and you guys are really helpful to, to be our partners and supportive in that and that we get to get as many people involved as possible, which really kind of employs so many more people with multiple filmmakers, which is, I think to me, was a really a blessing for all of us. So. Let's talk about Helmingrad for a second. So Helmingrad is a production company, but mm -hmm. you have a, a mission to be a platform for marginalized storytellers. Absolutely. So can you talk about that that mission and and obviously how it how it sort of yeah. fits into this story? We got we got like we've been <laughs> we've been we've been really talking about the mission. Yeah, yeah, cuz as we grow as a company, the mission evolves, um, but also the mission grows as well. Uh, but go ahead, Rich. I'll let you take a lead on that. Yeah. Well, I think like fundamentally, because we have been talking a lot, because our company has grown a lot in the past, you know, four and a half years. I mean, when we, when we started out, it was just Lena and I, and this was in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, now we're blessed to have a company of 20 people across a lot of different verticals and various divisions, including film and television, and podcast, and a record label under Def Jam, a publishing imprint under Zando Books, a fashion line that's going to be coming out later this year. You know, it's starting to talk about branded content and theater and all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But we realized is that there's a common thread um, along sort of all these verticals, all the things that we're doing, is that we want to allow artists who don't have a platform, underrepresented, diverse artists across the spectrum of race and sexuality and geographic location and financial status and disability and age, to be able to have a voice. And what we've found is that you know it's incredibly important for us to not tell monolithic stories about any of those demographics. And it's really important for us to be able to not be the person, not be the company that is like waits for someone to go make their first feature and then go do their second feature with them. We need to be the company that gives them a spot in the Rising Voice Mentorship Program, then an episode on the shy, then their first feature with us to allow them to grow with us. And we realize that we're really one of the only companies that really look at that from that approach. Because I think for a lot of people in Hollywood, that's taking a big risk. And for us, it's not a risk. For us, it's like the only way to actually change the culture. Yeah. So that, that ties into, you know, one of our themes uh, as a business is that talent's universal, opportunity is not. This is really about creating opportunity. And one of the things that you all brought, so when you talked about how Rishi kind of remixed the idea, we had this original idea of, of maybe doing more filmmakers with smaller budgets. And what you all came back with was, you know, $100,000 for each filmmaker is going to give them something where this is not a job. It's the entryway to a sustainable career and also creating, we've now across the two seasons created, I think, a th over a thousand jobs Absolutely. for right. cast, for crew, everyone who's now got an IMDb credit who's going to go on to do other things. So could you talk about the, what the career opportunity as opposed to just a job is and what we're trying to do here? Well, I think for 
us still when it comes to hiring directors is you still have to have a strong short film. That is the only way for us to get a sense of what your, you know, vision is, what your aesthetic is, like how you work. Obviously, we get a sense of, oh, this person got really good performances. The production design was really cool. And the truth is, all of that stuff does boil down to having a budget to do the, your best work. Um, and so it's been such a wonderful marriage, really, because what they're doing is they are, it is their job to direct and to, to write these things, but you need money in order to do that job. But what's so great about it is it does end up launching a career because the short film, the ones that we'll be showing today, is that people will get a chance to see all the different voices, all the different viewpoints, um, and obviously all the different perspectives on work and what it means. And But what these films also do is so that we use the short films to, to help the, the network, Showtime, understand how we wanted to hire. It's, it's their resume. It's yeah. their calling card. Yeah. yeah, it is absolutely a calling card. And even still when directors come up to me and go, how can I get in? How can I be seen? I'm like, I need a great short film from you. I'm never going to ask for a feature. Show me a feature. Show me a pilot. Because like, that's like, well, okay, if I had a feature, I wouldn't need you. So so for us, it's always like, well, show me your short. Cause, and, and oftentimes they're saying, I, I've been trying to raise money for a short. I don't have one yet. And what's great about this is we get to actually see what they can do. They can prove themselves. And that, to me, always boils down to what work really is. Like me showing you what I can accomplish and what I can get done, which has been amazing. So you've sort of mentioned a handful of things of directing Shy going. Can, mm -hmm. can we talk a little bit about, Rishi, just mm -hmm. some of the amazing things that the first yes, season please. filmmakers, in the, just in one year, we were here last June. That's right. What's happened in, in one mean, year to some of these filmmakers? Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> go for it. All of them got representation. Yes. Um, you know, we had what, three directors on The Shy. Yes, technically. Um, one was a team. Yeah, one was a team. Quincy and DeAndre and Boma. Yeah. Boma actually directed the uh, music videos that launched Telmagrad Records. That's right. With, uh, with Davion. Um, you know, I know that that we've been uh, you know, talking to some of the other filmmakers about doing more work with Indeed as well too, which mm -hmm. has been really exciting to be able to kind of build on that platform. And we're also seeing a lot of them. You know, Johnson's getting episodes on a Disney Plus show. Like right. we're seeing like a lot of um, growth across the board. And not to mention that I think you know Gabby's film went to Sundance. Mm -hmm. um, we have also been seeing a lot of people winning awards for their for their various projects at various film festivals all over the country and the world. So it's, I think, a very resonant. And Shelley just won. Oh my gosh, Shelley. Yes. Yeah, this week, <laughs> a million dollars from AT&T yes. and Tribeca. Yes. Which is which incredible, and which is allow her to make her film, you know? And so. Yeah, the films have had lives, the short films too, yeah. you know, yeah. beyond the work that we've been getting because of them. These short films have been going into so many festivals. DeAndre Quincy's uh, short has been in many festivals yeah. um, and sort of been touring almost across the world. And it has allowed people to, to get that sort of stamp of approval that we put on them through this program, through them actually going through a production process that feels akin to making an episode of a TV show right. with full cast, full crews. On a super where, tight timeline. Yes, on a super tight, tight timeline, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. exactly. Which is also how TV works. I yeah. TV, I'm on a freight train that totally. I can't get off of. And it has allowed them really all to, um, you know, to, to be people that I get trusted with, mm -hmm. um, with content out here. Yeah. And, and we're really, really grateful for that because I think people can look to the short films, the quality of the product, as well as, you know, talking to us, hearing about, you know, how people worked on set and everything and go, okay, I can... I'll hire this person. Right. Yeah. And also, I will say, I think it's important to note that there have been some teachable moments, too, with the filmmakers, you know. Unfortunately, Rishi kind of has to step in and handle that. <laughs> uh, but, and it's not many, you know, but 
what we find is that these filmmakers have not had the opportunity to work with a team, to lead, to understand what it is to get notes, to deal with sort of execs, and we're acting as if we're execs, you know, but we, um, I mean, we are execs, but we're trying to support them and not impose what we would want on their films. But they have to learn that that's also part of the process. I had to learn mm -hmm. it as well. Um, as I was coming up in my career, and, and I, I have a little bit more space now to do my thing, but the truth is, it is such a huge important <laughs> part of the process to know how to work with others. Obviously, you know how to lead if you're gonna direct. I do not direct. Uh, but for those that want to be directors, the first order of business is to be a really great leader um, and to be able to manage people um, and to be able to manage different temperaments. And so I think Rishi's obviously an expert at that. I think that's a big reason why he's so successful. Uh, but Rishi has been able to, to get in there with some filmmakers and talk to them and, and make sure they are setting the tone for their own career moving forward. And that has honestly been one of the most enlightening things for me to see because I didn't get the chance to do that you know, in a program like this. I had to do it on a show, on a set of a, my first movie, learning these things trial and error. And so what I'm excited about is they get to learn these things before they're, you know, on a big set or on a set of a TV show. So that's what's been really exciting and educational for me. 100%. Yeah, and we just try and be really honest yeah. with people. And just, just, and when we talk about teach all moments, it's like, hey, you know, maybe that's not the best way to um, communicate with your actor. You know, maybe right. that's not what you should be spending your time on in pre-production. Right. Um, you know, this doing this script work is going to help you in your production process later on, be mm -hmm. able to shoot it in the amount of time that you have, and just giving pointers. And but at the same time, always wanted to make sure that um, the directors know that we're there to support their visions mm -hmm. for this thing, which Absolutely. is a thing that I think a lot of times can get a little bit corrupted in Hollywood. Yes. Um, so we've been excited to be able to be both that voice of practicality, mm -hmm. but also of support. Absolutely. So, so I want to talk about that, that vision part, and, and, and we've sort of hit on it a little bit, but so it's pretty clear why you all are doing this. Why, why is Indeed doing this? So again, it, you know, we're about helping people get jobs, yeah. and we're about trying to figure out how to tell this incredibly complex story of what does work mean yeah. to people, and we could spend a million dollars on a 30-second TV ad right. and tell one story, but instead we're getting 10, now, now 20, Different stories. Can you can you talk about like what it means? And you mentioned this to to bring all these different voices and perspectives to to sort of tell stories, especially ones that we don't hear every day. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think it's important for I think these people who are a part of marginalized communities, particularly, uh, to speak about what work means to them and their communities. And I think it's important for other people to hear that, to understand that, to know that, uh, because also too, I think people don't often. It's hard for them to think about what we do as a job, though it is. It's not a, like you're not checking in and checking out. You know, there's not a time card um, always. You know, but they they don't. We have guilds like we we go to work every day, and so I think people think that it's almost this fantasy or you guys are having fun, you're just hanging out on set, and I think that is what's important for us to get people to understand that the people that are on these sets. You know, th this is their passion. This is their life's work. They want it to be their life's work. And so what I love is that they're bringing stories from their communities, from their families, about what work means to them. And I think it's just a wonderful, a wonderful marriage, like I said, with Indeed. And I'm just really excited to get all these different perspectives because I'm learning something new when I watch these shorts as well, which to me is very exciting as an artist, but also as, as you guys' as partner. But Richie, yeah, I mean, just the specificity of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's when you give these filmmakers from underrepresented backgrounds the opportunity to tell their story, 
it's almost that like specificity breeds universality. So it's mm -hmm. like it's like the idea that we all see a little bit of ourselves in these stories and start to understand. Oh, like I never really knew that about that particular culture or background or demographic, but that feels like kind of like my family, or mm -hmm. that feels like an experience I've had. And to be able to do that with these films and these filmmakers, and that be their starting point in their careers, is really exciting because I think it empowers them to continue telling those stories versus the stories they think may be like sellable or what mm -hmm. you know, Hollywood wants them to sell. Yeah. So while we're talking about this meaning of work, if I can just briefly put the two of you on the spot and just say, so what does work mean to you? Whoever wants to go you first. you want to take it first? I mean. Oh man, I mean. Yeah, you go first. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think like growing up in my family, um, mm. you know, it, work was always sort of like a, I think a, to an end. Yeah, a means to an end to a certain degree, but like a sense of security. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, my family had, you know, they were generations ago started in India and then moved to uh, Africa for jobs. My mom was born in Uganda, my dad was born in Malawi. And then they ended up as refugees from um, Africa to the UK and had to kind of start all over again. Mm -hmm. So my mom's big thing kind of to me growing up was that you have to get an education because no one can take an education away from you. And I think to them, to a certain degree, you know, the scariness of jumping into Hollywood or creative business or industry is that, you know, it's not that they didn't want me to do that or didn't want me to pursue my dreams, but they wanted to make sure that I had stability and that I could support myself and support a family and all those things too. And, you know, dad's a doctor, mom's a teacher, you know, and, and eventually became mm -hmm. a stay-at-home mom. And it's, um, I think it's been really cool for them to kind of see a shift through me and my life in terms of like wor what work can be, which is that to me I'm able to go and do something which I really love, which is supporting all the visions of all the amazing artists that we work with and getting to make movies, which is like the coolest job ever. Uh -huh. But um, I'm doing it in a way that also allows me to have that sense of security. And so work has always been equated to security with me, but I want to expand the definition of it for like, um, you know, especially a lot of the brown kids that are coming up now, that, that you can pursue kind of types of work that are maybe outside of the norm, outside of like specifically professional mm -hmm. careers, mm -hmm. and still be able to, to, you know, have all of it. So. Mm -hmm. That's good, that's good. I mean, I think, yeah, I think we often get our first definition of what work is from our parents and our families. And I think I always knew growing up that I didn't want to work a regular job like I think my mom did, or but also my aunt and my grandmother cleaned houses to, and my aunt started her own business though. It wasn't just, she's a person who enjoyed doing that, but she wanted to be her own boss. And I remember when she started her own company, um, a cleaning service company, and I remember thinking, huh, she turned something she loves doing, which she does, she loves cleaning, into a business, but she's also able to make be her own boss. And I think that was really inspiring to me. And I remember my mom always working in corporate America, having bosses over her that she didn't always love. And so for me, I kind of had both of those ideas of what work was, and obviously I went into entertainment, but I realized that my job is not just a job. It is my life, it is my purpose. And I think that that is how I always thought about it, even as a young person, that yeah, it's cool to get paid and have security and be able to pay bills and things like that. But there was definitely a time in pursuing this job that I didn't always have the funds that I needed in order to survive. But mm. <laughs> I um, was so passionate about it and so determined 
to be really good that that was okay. And I was still doing the job, even though I wasn't being paid to do it. And I still do my job without necessarily being paid to do it. He knows I'll, I'll write scripts, I always save for free, um, and then find somebody to buy them versus me going out, pitching an idea, and convincing someone to pay me to write it. I'm just gonna do it. And I think that's to me where I always fall in that space and that it is a purpose that I get paid to, to, to walk in. So a year ago, um, we sat down together mm. over wings and yeah, chips it was and not guacamole. Film, but yeah. And uh, and you know, we were getting ready to launch season one and <laughs> sort of had a two second long conversation. Should we do this again? Yes, yeah. you know, yeah. immediately. Um, what I'd love to hear from you, Rishi, is what what surprised you in season two? So like we had some ideas. Clearly we knew there was more great stuff out there, mm -hmm. there was more talent out there, but like what what did you find this time that was maybe different or unexpected? I think we, um, in, in season one was such an experiment in so many ways. And I think season two, we went in um, knowing what we could accomplish. And I think what surprised me was that the sort of the reputation of the program had already spread. Mm. Um, and that the applicants that were coming in for season two were coming in because of how successful season one was, and they saw the results of it, and they saw that how you know what kind of this had done for people's careers, yeah. and so I'm really impressed that you can do a program for one year and it to kind of have that wildfire spark for everyone. And since I've even been at Tribeca the last few days, everyone is talking about the Rising Voices program. Yeah. It's been like a really thing. It's been a lot of young filmmakers coming. Going, how do I get into this? How do I be part of this? Mm -hmm. I want to be you know a Rising Voices fellow and. That to me is really cool, and it is like maybe it shouldn't be as surprising as it is, but it's really cool to see um, that what we're doing is working, mm -hmm. and the messaging is working, but also like the results are working too. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's June, it's Pride Month. Um, one of the things you know, looking at, at this program, we have a number of films that sort of explore some of these different themes. We have mm -hmm. Beast, which is was clearly about identity. Um, we have Tofu, which has a, a trans man character, but it actually doesn't make a, I mean, it's, it's the story, but it doesn't make a big deal out no, of that. Right. Um, and then Amina has queer characters who are just characters and that's not. So Ooh. it's a really interesting sort of set of collections. Can, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're seeing in these types of stories that you don't see in main, mainstream depictions of, of mm -hmm. queer characters. Yeah, well, I'm, it's obviously very exciting for me to see um, because it's something that I've wanted to do in my work and I have had opportunity to do that, but to see other filmmakers know that there is space, there's freedom to include themselves, their experiences, their own identities into their work. And I think that was also something very unique about my career, I believe, is because I had to put myself in those stories, I had to put who I was in the work. Um, I don't always have to do that. It's not always about that, but it's important to me to make sure I'm reflected in the work that I'm putting out into the world. And so I think what's exciting is about these filmmakers is that I can see that they feel a freedom to do that, not just even because there are many people that have come before myself that have to deal with that in a very difficult, difficult way. It's still not very easy. We still struggle with putting you know, queer characters at the center of films, at the center of TV shows. It's still very much a fight. Um, and the community is still very much fighting for equality and, and rights. So I think it's very imperative that these short films be not only seen, but celebrated and, um, and know that more films like this are to come because we cannot be left out of the narrative because we're not left out of the society.
So I'd love to, uh, Rishi, just talk for a minute. You, you mentioned the what we're calling the development lab. So mm -hmm. uh, in addition to yeah. season two, where we have this new set of filmmakers, these new amazing set of stories, we selected three filmmakers from season one, uh, Stacy, Gabriella, and Johnson. And we've brought them into Indeed as a filmmaker in residence. They have $100,000 uh, stipend, not exclusively. They're doing a uh, ton of other work right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but we got to sit down together uh, just the other week and hear the first round of pitches. So we put together right. uh, you know, a, a $2 million budget to produce additional additional work, I'll say, because it might we don't even know exactly what the form right. it's going to take. Yeah, we yeah. saw some pretty crazy ideas. Can you talk <laughs> about like what, what, what are your hopes that we can develop with a program like this? Well, I mean, the first and foremost part of that and why it's so important to do this lab is because, again, a lot of these mentorship programs, it's like, oh, you do your one year and then you're done. You're set out into the world. There's no support. There's no kind of bringing people into the fold. There's no continuing to give people work. Mm -hmm. And so just as a starting point, I think it's really important to be hiring filmmakers out of the program. Um, but secondly, I think like you brought up that you know you could pay a million dollars for a 30-second you know, TV commercial or you could put a million dollars into 10 short films. And I think what's really interesting about bringing in Johnson and Stacey and Gabby is you're going to be getting completely fresh perspectives that are not really going to come from a marketing agency, like ever. And um, I really have been so excited. I mean, we've gotten, I mean, you know, everything from you know, series that are based on the filmmakers' like own lives and where they grew up to, you know, experiential like art uh, <laughs> experiences that talk about bias in the workplace. And I just love the creativity and the inventiveness of it. And to me, I'm just so excited to be able to execute on those campaigns and those visions, mm -hmm. again, still supporting, you know, everything that indeed needs to come out of it from from a marketing perspective, but being able to do it through such a creative lens. And what I'm hoping is that a lot of other companies are able to see this. I feel like other companies are also starting to pick up on um, the what we're doing with Rising Voices as well. I actually uh, was speaking to a journalist from one of the publications said that our program actually raise the bar for her on which mentorship program she covers. Mm. And that she needs to see filmmakers getting paid in real budgets to even feel like she can put them in, you know, Variety or the Hollywood Reporter in that way. Um, and so I think that what we can do with this filmmaker development lab is then kind of take it and shift like marketing in a different way mm. and, and kind of see other companies go, oh wow, look what that's a really cool thing that we've never we've you know, how did they do that? How did they come up with the idea? It's like, well we trusted creatives. Yeah. yeah, and that um, that to me is 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 really one of the inspiring parts is just how completely unlike anything that we would have come up with that that we're seeing here, and and how much more effective it is as telling these larger stories. So when we um, we don't have to go to lunch and, and have wings to talk about season three. Right. So so what do you hope is the future here of this program? Where where do we want to take it? What can we do? I think I mean piggybacking off of what Rishi said. I think my hope is is that we push other programs to raise their bar um, and to you know to really set the tone in terms of what folks actually need. Obviously, we have another, we have our own Hillman Grad Mentorship Lab as well, um, and it's really about us thinking about the filmmaker, like what do they actually need versus what does what what is the co company or whatever trying to get out of it i think what you guys have been so great about is actually pouring into people in terms of 
who they are and what their goals and what their hopes and what their dreams are, which ties into how they make their living, literally. And I think it's so inspiring and I think that it's also showing that it's a it's a give and take. The fact that we now have this and that they'll be able to help you and, and this is helping them, you know, I think that to me is exciting because it's it, you never want any partnership to be one-sided. And I think what's exciting is that this one is not. We both benefit from it. And I think that moving forward, I want us to continue to benefit from each other in terms of us being able to hire these filmmakers, you know, for ourselves, or if we want to do that, um, or obviously continue to work with them in terms of your marketing. And But ultimately, I really do hope that the message spreads. And um, maybe even to other like programs that aren't doing that work kind of say, you know what, if we can't really help in a real way, well, let's get out of the way. You know, I think ultimately we're really setting the, setting the bar, setting the tone, and I hope other people follow suit rather than give up, to be honest. I want to be sitting here in, uh, in, in seven years doing the 10-year uh, the, the reunion of <laughs> Rising Voices. Yeah. And, and I think, it would, you know, Lee and I talk about this all the time for... And we can, we can count the number yeah. of Oscars right, and right, I'm here for that as well. <laughs> I'm here for, I mean, because it also would be cool if, like, one of them ended up getting a big movie or something like that. But we also just talked about the measure of success in terms of what that means. Because I also don't want to get too caught up in like, oh, I hope one of these cats wins an Oscar one day. Would that be cool? Sure. But I also know that's not the goal always of their work. You know, it wasn't a goal for me to win an Emmy per se. I really wanted to be a good television writer and I wanted the space to learn how to do that. And I think these folks want to be really great. They want to be respected. I want to be respected. Um, and that doesn't always mean big box office numbers or awards. But we know, with like even with 40 year old version, people come up and say, we love that. I love that movie. I can't stop watching it. We want to help, help other people make work that makes other people feel seen and makes them feel something. And that to me is like, if they can be doing different careers and even teaching film to some people, it's just for them to launch into the world and be, be able to be their fuller selves, their authentic selves because of this program. I think to me, that's a win. But go ahead. No, 100%. I'm also here for Oscars too. I mean, yeah, but I think we, we want the next you know, generation of, of Justin Simeon's and Melina Matsukas's and mm -hmm. Barry Jenkins and Destiny Cretton's and Lena Waits to come out of this program and to have people that have really bold, visionary storytelling that is the next generation of filmmakers. And I think we're already doing that. And I think you know we can continue to do it year after year after year. We're here. We're always here. <laughs> we, we, we really love you guys. Truly. So uh, I just want to mention a, a couple things that are that are cool that you know in terms of up in the ante so this year um, the films for for anyone who's who's watching this they're premiering at Tribeca today mm -hmm. they're gonna be available on indeed.com slash rising voices following that yeah. but then we're doing some other cool things so we've got a, a two-minute cinematic trailer that we've cut that's gonna be going out in movie theaters about 3,000 theaters this summer playing before Thor and Jurassic Park and Love things like it. that so it's gonna uh, yes. but the, the coolest thing is that we've, we've done a buyout of the pre-show for a hundred theaters showing Nope. And oh. the short, an entire short film will play before Nope. So all of the, the 10 films will each be in 10 theaters playing before Jordan Peele's new Amazing, which is, you know, the ability to actually get seen in a yes. big theater by real people. And that's, I think, going to be an audience that's going to be receptive to these stories. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, because I think Jordan Peele represents the, a lot of these filmmakers who have a different perspective, who could go against the grain and who wouldn't redefine genres or, or, or you know bend them a little bit. And I think that to me is exciting to really expose people to these filmmakers too, because a lot of folks know who Jordan Peele is, but they don't know who these filmmakers are yet. 
And I think what's exciting is that they can sit in the theater ready to go see a filmmaker's work that they already know and come to love, but they can also say, well, who is this person? And I look forward to seeing what this person does next. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's gonna be super it's exciting. Um, I'm really excited for today. As we, as we wrap up, you all have so much going on. Can you just talk a little bit about what's next for Helmand Grad? <laughs> Where, wherever to start, wherever. <laughs> I mean, uh, well, the biggest thing is we're dropping a trailer for a new film that we just debuted here at the yeah. festival called Beauty, which will be on Netflix June 29th, um, which is my second sophomore movie, which I'm really excited about, uh, directed by Andrew Donsumu. Um, Donsumu. Um, he's phenomenal. And uh, another director who I love, who's dope, did two films, Rest of the City and Mother of George. Two movies that maybe a ton of people haven't seen, but really had an impact on me, so much so that I wanted to work with him. So um, I'm excited for people to see that film. Reese, what else is happening? That's my update. Uh, we got, we got season of, five of The Shy. Season, season five, five of The Shy is debuting on Showtime. Next month. June 24th. Wait, this month. This month, June this 24th. Month. This way you can keep straight. <laughs> June 24th, we uh, start streaming. First episode yeah. back, season five. And we got two other amazing films that are going to be coming out sort of end of this year, beginning of next year. Um, I also want to just say yeah. people get to see DeAndre and Quincy's work and Boma's work yes. on the season of The Shy. Sorry, June twenty fourth. Both their episodes, their episodes are phenomenal, mm -hmm. and I'm not just saying that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Av Rockwell's um, yeah. feature yeah. debut, really talented. You know, filmmaker. We did a film we did focus features called A Thousand and One. And Shana one of the Taylor. actors from A Strange Loop is in that film as well. Mm -hmm. He's super, a small part, but he's great. And then we have um, a Disney Plus film called Train Can Dunk. Yes. Jingyi Shao's feature debut as well. So which will be on Disney future. Plus. Yep. Before the end of the year, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. We'll, see. we'll get there. We'll get a release date soon. Yeah. But, um, but again, getting to continue to build. You know, with these filmmakers who both actually directed episodes on TV shows for us mm -hmm. before doing mm -hmm. their first features with us, yeah. and continue to really you know build that narrative. And yeah. so, we're doing work. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing. Well, I thank you so much for for joining today well, to, to have this conversation. But really, thank you for this you know, two years of unbelievable partnership and for the next you know we're many here. many to we're come. Here. This we're is here. this is this is. Uh, just really something that is unlike anything that we've ever been able to, to be a part of. And Same. I can't wait to sit down at 4 o'clock today, the lights go out, and Ooh. watch these amazing yes. films. And, and to get to see these filmmakers see their work on a big screen yes. the way it yes. needs to be seen. And to experience it with an audience, which yeah. is a gift, truly. True. Thank you for all your love and support. It's been immeasurable.